Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos at Equity Bro, and joining me live is Greg at Bananamorphs. Having a good time, guys. I'm having a real good time. Uh, returning to his angry throne. Oops. <laughs> Almost lost him there. Angry boy, Matthew Burton at No Pit Stops. I'm so out of practice here. Hey, I just Googled No Truck Stop Podcast. Did you know that like the second Google tag that pops up is Big Ten? I'm upset. Really? I'm very, very <laughs> upset. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Here we are. And for the last time ever, read at Pac-10 Read. Curious that uh, Greg and Matt decide to show up this week. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. interesting. Hmm. Hey, Utah won last week. Suddenly right? they're not so busy. Um, no so, grapes today. So many people. So many people are too happy about this pig farmer. I got to talk about it. I'm <laughs> fucking livid. <laughs> True. Right no. Uh, no grapes today. She's shit. she's at a wedding. Wedding allegedly uh, against uh, against her will. So we'll catch her next week. Are you a uh, are you all uh, you getting a winning invite on a Saturday during college football season? Are you uh, are you going? Does it matter? Are you always saying yes? Whose wedding? I don't know. If it was what, my what's sister's, your threshold? what's your th- your sister's wedding? I yeah. would go to the wedding. Okay, uh, if it, but if it was not immediate family, I would not go. <laughs> okay, read. Yeah, family members only. Luckily, my my brother got married week zero. I went to that. Um, oh, and, so and I would go the... in general, but I but. Luckily, my one brother's off the table now. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> Matthew Hubertson? Yeah, uh, open you're bar dependent. Open bar dependent <laughs> entirely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where I stand. Anyway, shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. Uh, big announcement. We did hit 250 YouTube subscribers. So thank you all for getting us there. And as promised, people will suffer on live stream. We started uh, voting on Twitter, and after hundreds of votes, unfortunately, both Grapes and I will be eating very hot foods. Avery and I will bring a homemade salsa made with uh, ghost peppers. We'll eat that salsa throughout the episodes. So we'll see We'll see how we hold up, but tune in on October 28th. That's next week. Uh, and if you're new here, how about subscribing so you get uh, notifications when we go live for that? Podcast listeners, we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We'll read your reviews if you've got them. We have 195 reviews on Apple Podcasts, but we have way, way more than 595 people listening on podcasts. So if you love the show and you want to show your support, leave us five stars. And, of course, we have extra Pac-12 content for you on Patreon, including our weekly previews of the Pac-12 football slate. This week we'll be previewing Week 9 of Pac-12 football over on Patreon. That will feature a big game. Scary one for Reed, Oregon at Utah. That'll also feature Colorado at UCLA and a sneaky, sneaky good game at night, Oregon State at Arizona. We'll be talking about all those games and more. Go check that out for five bucks at notruckstops.com. Last, last thing, basketball season. So back. Matthew Hubertson, are you excited for basketball season? No, it's hockey season, you <laughs> idiot. Uh, I dropped a comprehensive preview on Twitter. It's pinned, uh, it's pinned on my profile. Go check that out at Equity Bruin. And this Wednesday... Greg, Reed, and I will get on to talk hoops at 5 p.m. Pacific. We're going to preview the season, talk about some of our favorite storylines, all that good stuff. Subscribe to our YouTube to get notified when we go live for that. Greg, you snuck into an exclusive event related to Pac-12 basketball that we're not allowed to say, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Any, uh, any insights from that? Very clandestine. Um, I have <laughs> many insights from that. Too many for the football episode. Okay. All However, right. I will say that each coach has convinced me they'll be good this year, <laughs> except for Dana Altman. 
Like all, of, feel great all now. of the other ones were just like, we're going to be good this year. And I totally believed them. And Dana was just like, it's going to be hard this year. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that hey, for first time, First time Dana's ever told the truth. That's great. That's great to hear. <laughs> Anyway, that is uh, on YouTube, 5 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, October 25th. Subscribe to get notified when we go live for that. All right, enough of that. Let's move on to talk some Pac-12 football, starting with yet another thrilling Pac-12 game, Utah beating USC in the Coliseum. Reed, take us away, buddy. Utah and USC met in the last edition of a clash of styles between the two powers of the former Pac-12 South. Heading into this one, it was easy to count Utah out going on the road to L.A. with a heavily depleted roster. Then three plays in, safety converted running back Sione Vaki took a wheel route 50 yards, and it was on. USC responded with two quick scores. Then Bryson Barnes knifed through the defense to cap a high-scoring first quarter. It would stay at 14-14 through halftime, but after the break, Utah came out strong. They strung back-to-back touchdown drives around a Marshawn Lloyd fumble while Witt's defense continued to stifle Caleb Williams and company. With Utah up 28-17 early in the fourth, everything was trending towards another USC embarrassment. Then Bryson Barnes threw a pick six to Kalen Bullock. Utah's offense sputtered, and Zachariah Branch nearly housed a punt return to set up a USC uh, 32-31 lead with under two minutes left. But, of course, Bear Alexander would commit a costly roughing the passer, and Bryson Barnes would scramble 20 yards up the sideline to set up a game-winning field goal as time expired. Cole Becker nailed it to give Utah a deserved 34-32 win and submit Whittingham's superiority over Lincoln Riley. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Reed, can you say the last, like, seven words one more time? I missed that. You broke up. Uh, And cement... Whittingham superiority over Lincoln Riley. Ah, interesting. Uh, do you remember? Drop the clip. <laughs> I don't have the clip. I've, I couldn't find it in the two minutes that I gave warning here. Uh, you remember, Reed? I remember someone saying, Whittingham's not a top five coach in college football. I, I still said, don't think he Matt, is, but <laughs> I'll, said, I'll do the quote. I'll do the quote. Who are, you picking, uh, who are you picking above Whittingham? And immediate response. Riley, for one, obviously. Um, and then... He's and then Dabble a couple Sweeney, coaches, by the way. I'm pretty sure he's a couple Dabble coaches Sweeney. that just scored 15 and nine points in their games. <laughs> God, crazy stuff. Guy. All right, crazy game. Let's start with the Utah side of it. And while Avery cannot be here, uh, I have no idea what she has planned here. She sent in a video, uh, a statement, a prepared statement. She says, uh, "Did not listen to this beforehand, so I'm dying to know what this is. Let's hear what she has to say." Hi everyone, it's Grapes here. I am so sad that I'm not with you there today, but please hold a space for me in your hearts as I read you this statement that I have prepared. God works in mysterious ways. Her timing is not our timing, and being her prophet, her mouthpiece is an honor, but not without difficulty. I interpret the signs as they are laid before me, but I do not control the events of the future. I am just one mortal woman serving her football god. The Pac-12 is filled with prideful fans and programs that do not fear her wrath, but I will continue to warn them, as God has commanded me. Following a 42-6 loss to Oregon and another loss to UCLA, some of you may start to believe you are safe, that the disease has been eradicated. Know that it has not. Do not allow your pride to cloud your judgment. It is not too late. Kneel at the feet of God, praise her mercy, and accept the end. Bask in the warm fires of destruction. Bend to the will of the disease before it consumes you. 
Thank you. Was that about Stanford? <laughs> I, I totally had no idea that was going to be about Stanford. <laughs> I thought that was about Utah. She told me she told <laughs> she she told me that this was uh she was like put this picture of me in Utah gear. What the fuck is that? I have no idea. Uh, anyway, she did say that Utah was winning this game, so I guess I guess that's what she's talking about. Absolutely insane nonsense. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, <laughs> insane shit. But Matthew Hubertson, your first time back. What did you think of your Utah boys in this game? This is perfect. Immediately after that video, I get to say that I watched about seven plays of this game. Um, so here's, here's okay, I was being a dad. I had it on the background. Here's, I want to run through how I expect this game went based off of watching the first two drives. And I want you to tell me how far off I am. I have not looked at any stats. I've seen like two other highlights. Um, Lincoln Riley comes out. They actually run the ball, get an insane run out of, I think it was Jones that had the 45-yard run for USC. Um I don't, Greg, I don't know. All right. I wasn't paying attention. I'm trying to Don't remember also. I don't remember which uh, one it was. Okay. So obviously we're running the ball well. Everything's going great. And then, of course, as soon as USC is up by like a score, Lincoln Riley completely abandons the run and they just pass the ball like crazy, um, playing into exactly what Utah actually wanted to do on defense. Um, you, I, as far as offensively goes, like I don't think that anything actually made sense. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Like, I'm I'm guessing there was about three big plays because, um, you know, like that whole thing about explosive plays actually matter. Uh, Utah scores on, like, three explosive plays. I heard that Zachariah Branch got kicked, too. I actually, like, I will stand on the side of Kyle Winningham not being a top 10 coach if Branch <laughs> got kicked, to at all at any point this game. Um, I tweeted, I tweeted the, it's always sunny. You dumb bitch. Uh, I mean like in week two about kicking to Zachariah branch. Let's, let's watch a little bit of film, please. But I'm betting, I'm betting that the defenses were fine. And ultimately this came down to just like ultra dumb play calling and completely abandoning the run on USC's part. How far off am I? No, you, you fucking nailed it. That's what happened. As far as I remember. Exciting experience. (laughs) Yeah, USC started out the game and ran ran the ball on Utah like easily. It was it was hard to watch. Utah could not defend the run, uh, and it wasn't just that like Marshawn Lloyd was out running guys or they were opening up holes and that was happening. But there were also some really bad missed tackles as well. And then it's fourteen fourteen. You know, both offenses have scored on their drives, and and he just he starts passing more it's like he, he leaves the script and he forgets that the the running the ball worked it was very funny and once usc started passing more drive started stalling and the utah defense played more like what we expect the utah defense to play like and then of course they pull away bryson barnes pick six usc comes back takes the lead wild wild game uh it's it's so weird to think about in general just because like I feel like Utah was better in that game like over the course of the game I feel like Utah was the better team without that pick six you know if Bryson Barnes doesn't make that one just colossal bozo throw I think Utah wins it comfortably but I can't think of any one thing that made me think yeah Utah really dominated this specific matchup if that makes sense yeah the the point about the running thing is well taken. I will say that 
so much of this just had to do with dumb shit that USC was doing offensively. I mean, just mistakes, really. They come out uh, out of halftime. They get the ball back. It's 14-14. They go through and out, which is which is not great. Uh, they ran one time during that uh, stretch, but they they go three and out. Okay, fine. Utah comes out. They get a score uh, thanks to a Bryson Barnes pass to Landon King for six yards. And then... USC does run the ball, and Marshawn Lloyd fumbled it uh, in a crucial spot. They're down 21-14. Utah comes right back and has a short field to work with, and so they score. After that, they're down two touchdowns. I don't know. I mean, like, you typically throw in those situations. Maybe Utah. Maybe you. Maybe there's plenty of time there, and you don't have to do that. But I do think that that was kind of a part of it. I just, I mean, I, I, think, I think the thing that is sticking out to me uh, with regards to Utah is that their running game's really good. Uh, they, like, Sione Vaki, we have to talk about him a lot. He's <laughs> a Best two-way player in the country. Best two-way player decided. in the country. Top I mean, three? <laughs> top four running back in the Pac-12? Like Maybe. I mean, he was so good this game. Just sticking with Utah, I just... He was unbelievable this game. He ran the ball only seven times. It felt like a million <laughs> for 63 Listen. yards. We were very clear in the preseason that a Utah running back had the highest highest ceiling in the conference <laughs> if they could put it together and the development path worked. And I think we've been I think we've been proven correct. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. Yes, that's true. He was also a bit of a he was also a receiver. Played slot receiver a couple of times. He got targeted five times. Got five catches, 149 yards, two touchdowns. He was an unbelievable offensive player for Utah. I think pretty clearly their best offensive player, which is fucking insane he's a safety it's so funny to watch him run because he's clearly extremely fast and yet i just can never believe it while it's happening like while he (laughs) runs he looks like a slow person and yet he pulls away from everybody else it's so funny he's so smooth he is a very (laughs) very smooth runner oh he had that one that one run no yeah that cutback (laughs) right in the middle of the field and complete not that it's hard to juke a usc defender out of his shoes (laughs) but (laughs) fucking left him in the dust uh unbelievable unbelievable play from you take it easy on twitter user dewey tweets out there he's trying his best all right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean offensively what an explosion i get get it usc's defense is dog shit and we will absolutely get to usc in a minute here but utah's run game uh really really impressive uh they they look really dangerous right now defensively you know i don't know i I think they they did as well as you probably could play against a really really good usc offense uh caleb williams no touchdowns again like, I feel like he just, this is the first, I guess this is the first time he's had zero touchdown in a, touchdowns in a game in his time at USC. But it was another, I, I wouldn't say his, a stinker, but not a good game either. He looked pretty, he looked like just a merely decent Pac-12 quarterback and not a great one. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, Reed, what did you, what were your reactions to watching Utah do what they did in this game? I think you're understating this defensive performance for them, honestly. Uh, if you go out of, you know, they score on the first two drives for USC, but they don't score another touchdown on like a, a full field drive the entire rest of the way. They get a pick six touchdown and they get an 11 yarder off of a Zachariah Branch punt return, basically. Um, I mean, Utah shut them down after the first two drives. It, if they gained yards, they got into field goal position and they couldn't get into the end zone every single time, like every single time. 
Uh, it was an awesome performance from Utah's defense. I think it proved that there are real flaws in USC's offense for sure, if we didn't realize that from last week. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think Utah's just slowly rounding into form. Uh, Barnes is he's just okay, but he's he does enough, I guess. Um, but the fact that we knew they had a pretty good offensive line, that's shining through. And now they have like Vaki and Jaquindon Jackson are actually a very potent one-two punch at running back. And that's all Utah really needs. Uh, I think that especially against a defense like USC that can't stop the run, they couldn't stop Colorado from running the ball. So how are they going to stop Jaquindon Jackson and Sione Vaki behind this offensive line? Um, I think that's like all the recipe they needed to put up 30 points in this game. And their defense was just that awesome despite being put in bad spots like again they they didn't surrender a touchdown on a real drive for the last like 50 minutes of this game we have to recognize that that's true i do think that their their defense tightened up but usc i mean usc had a a, not a a great offensive performance i i think it was but if like just watching this game they were you know they they did gain a bunch of yards i think they did move the ball really well i think when they did run the ball they were getting kind of whatever they wanted um per game on paper epa on rush plays was 85th percentile on dropbacks 59th percentile which is like kind of mediocre especially it's bad for gala williams but 78th percentile in yards per play 80th percent 88th percentile on uh success rate sorry matt what were you gonna say first percentile defensive run stuff right yeah. Like 70% of USC's runs went for more than four yards. Like right. they were running the ball anytime they wanted to, and they just decided they didn't want to. Right. And this is the problem with Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley lives and dies with Caleb Williams in the past game. Like we've been saying this about Lincoln Riley for as long as he's been in the Pac 12. Like he just doesn't lean on a run game and he has talented running backs. Marshawn Lloyd is good. Uh, he had one fumble, sure, but like he is a, he was a really, really good uh, running back. And, you know, it sank USC, but we'll get to USC in a minute. Utah, I do think you're right. Uh, Utah's defense did play pretty well, but Greg, what were you going to say? Um, I was I was just going to talk about the Utah defense. I thought the secondary, for the most part, yeah. played just an unbelievable game. Like, they were the, the reason Utah won this game. They were the best unit on the field today by far. Or not today, last night. Uh, the defensive line... I would say lost. Like, the defensive line was definitively worse than the USC offensive line, both in the run game and the pass game. Uh, They were not getting a rush on Caleb Williams with four. Caleb Williams was able to escape and run pretty much whenever he decided that's what he wanted to do. And they got, I think, a few sacks, but those felt like more Caleb Williams mistakes than really great plays by the defensive line. And like you said, Matt, the run stuff rate was non-existence. They were not doing anything there. Uh, so I guess good job on the the USC offensive line for winning a matchup against a Utah defensive line that I think we all think is pretty good. But the Utah secondary, man, is just every week they're just so much better than I think they are. It's wild. Yeah, they've, they've got... Uh... <laughs> What they did, I mean, and I also think it highlights, I mean, Utah's, we'll get to USC in a minute. I think there's something to be said about USC's receivers, but Utah's mm-hmm. secondary was uh, was fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. And I also think it led to some, I don't know, Caleb William pressures that mm-hmm. I think weren't, that the, that the defensive line and the linebackers were not generating in a sort of normal pass rush. Uh, I want to talk about 
Bryson Barnes. We talked about Sione Baki, Jaquindon Jackson, awesome players. They did some uh, really good shit in this game. I think carried Utah's offense. Bryson Barnes, though, not not bad. I like. I don't. You know. I don't. Yes, think bad. You think that he was, was bad a, this that game? Was, he tried, tried to, to blow the game. the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I he he had he threw the one bad pick six. Actually, very funny. If you go on gameonpaper.com and it shows the dropbacks, it shows that Bryson Barnes uh, threw zero interceptions, and then team the team under like the player name it says team zero for one one interception so they don't want to credit him with that <laughs> most one. utah ass shit i've ever seen <laughs> um no i didn't think he was bad i did not think he was bad i think y'all are kind of being harsh on him i think that he was not being given a ton to do um and obviously he probably had a hard time i mean he's not a he's not great but he doesn't have great targets either um, I think he did what he had to do. I think he had that one big play late in the game where he ran the ball for like 40 yards to get Utah in prime field goal position. Um, and that he made pretty decent plays. Obviously, I'm, I just don't think he's like, I don't think he's, you know, Chance Nolan and uh, God, what was the other word? I've already forgot the other Oregon State quarterback's name. Cole Branson. <laughs> ben Cole Branson. Yeah, he's not, he's not Ben Cole Branson. Um, but I thought he did, I thought he did pretty well against, uh, against USC. I don't know. Greg, you, you said he tried to blow the game for them. What did, what did you think of Bryson Parsons, Bryson Parnes performance? I, I do want to say this version of Bryson Parnes is just miles better than the Bryson Barnes who played the first few weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is so much more willing to make throws, which is good. Like he will actually yeah, he was taking throw. shots yeah exactly like and he didn't just do it on the first play of the game like this is good however that pick six was just the worst fucking thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah that it was, was horrible. so I bad agree. it was so bad there was no <laughs> there was no point where that throw was going to work out devon vele had no idea the ball was coming so even if there hadn't been a db there it was going to be incomplete like what are you doing bryson and there it's are still true. times where he just he just cannot hit guys on time. He is never on time on any throw. He is always late. It's just His how he is. is. He goes so through slow, so slowly, and like it's a miracle if he gets to the next guy by the time the pass <laughs> rush gets to him. He took one sack, I think, earlier in the game, where he one starts the drop back with like a twelve step drop. He goes so far deep. And then when the pass rush gets to him, instead of just getting rid of the ball to his check down, which is open, he tries to run straight backwards. So it's a 12-yard sack. It was really bad. He just He's just not a smart quarterback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, that, is, that is a challenge. That being said, he is a good enough quarterback for Utah to go to, like, I don't know, Alamo Bowl maybe, Vegas Bowl. Okay, okay. Not a Pac-12 championship winning quarterback. Uh, not not against Oregon or Washington, I don't think. Okay, interesting. Uh, well, Carlos, Matthew, he's, oh, ahead, he's number one on your uh, power rankings. The uh, Utah's <laughs> number one on your Pac-12 power rankings right now. Yeah, that's right. Matthew Hubertson, you, you had something to say about uh, Zioni Vaki. Yeah, it, I think that, like, it is – you can't give Bryson Barnes this much credit, A, considering the defense that 
they're playing and B considering that they have a fucking offensive player of the year candidate in the backfield all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, they really do. Yeah. Like I made, I made this statement and it was kind of funny. Like I, I go like, is, is Vaki like an offensive player of the year candidate? And I got a response that was like, no, this is just like Clark Phillips last year. Like he's actually a defensive player of the year candidate now because people actually know who he is. And he's still the leading tackler on defense. He's tied with Cole Bishop for leading tackler. Ridiculous. There's a chance that he legitimately gets into some of these award like voting in a really weird way. Um, But I just, the running game was so dynamic that, and especially just like with what the game plan should be coming into a Utah game anyways, like he's never throwing against anything other than single coverage with maybe a single safety over the top. Like maybe like otherwise it, it should be really, really easy to pass right now. And so being able to be 14 of 22, everything about this screams like you were pretty average against a really, really bad defense. And I'm just not willing to sit here and say that like, Barnes needs to be on the Mount Rushmore of Utah quarterbacks or like any of that shit. Like there are countless stories like this in college football. It's a great story, but it's college football. There's bad quarterback play everywhere. And just because he's not absolutely horrendous does not make him good. And we need to stop. Like in the comments, there was like, he's just playing like rising light. Absolutely not rising so much better. Like so much better. It's disgusting. I mean, I just think you need a baseline level of quality and like, no, I don't think Bryson Barnes is good, but I think there's a chance he's fine and fine can get you places. If you've got a really good run game, you've got dynamic runners, Jaquindon Jackson is healthy and you've got a defense that, uh, you know, I think can hold its own against pretty much anyone. So I, I don't know. I guess Bryson Barnes for me just needs to be fine. Uh, and, and I think he might be Reed. You had something to say. Bryson Barnes versus Tyler Huntley. What do we think? Like, just <laughs> needs, just needs to be. I will fine. reach through this camera. That kind I of. Cho- I will pull out your eye sockets through your esophagus. <laughs> Holy shit! How dare you? How dare you? Uh, How dare you? <laughs> anything anyway, else? You anything mentioned else? Cole oh. Bishop earlier, Matt. Go ahead. And sure did. That chase down he had on Zachariah Branch, the punt return. Like, he ran the entire length of the field to catch up to Branch to force him out of bounds, which didn't end up mattering because USC scored, like, on the next play. But at the time, that was heroic. That was incredible. I can't believe he managed to catch up. Uh, He's a great player, and I was shocked at how well Utah's defense played without him in the game. Well, he's the second-best safety on his own team, so... Yeah, I I love what you said about Cole Bishop because I think that going into this season, I was wondering, like, who does Utah have who's actually that difference maker like Clark Phillips was? And Cole Bishop has answered that role completely for me. Like, he makes those plays consistently. feels like he always shows up in these games. Um, So I'm definitely in on him. I want to shift quickly before we get to USC and just ask, like, how does how do we recalibrate our thoughts on Utah right now? Like where where do they sit within the Pac-12? Are they are they doing this again? Is Utah back? Is Utah surging towards another Pac-12 title? 
They never stopped doing this, Reed. <laughs> I told you, they never stopped doing this. He they're going learns. nine and three, and they'll be in the Pac-12 championship game. It's I don't like, know how they're going to make it with three conference losses this year, but they're still going to do it. This is the damn script. We next man up, and we do the same shit every single year with quote-unquote worse players. This is Utah football, baby. Reed, I swear to God, Reed watching Utah for the first time in 2021, 2022 is driving, my, driving me fucking nuts. Do you remember, Reed? No, you don't remember because you don't you don't watch you don't watch utah you remember 2018 when 2018 when tyler huntley got hurt you know who ended up like what in week eight or nine about this time you want to know who ended up in the pac-12 championship it was fucking utah i don't even remember the name of the quarterback who jason shelley put some respect on that man's name so much better than bryson he was so much better better than bryson (laughs) he had one of the greatest utah comebacks i've ever seen probably the best against byu He's that a hero. A that was such a fun <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, no, this, I mean, go ahead, Reed. This Utah team is worse than they were the last yeah, few years. They're bad, Reed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but to answer your question, Reed, I do think like I, I don't know. Like they have uh, they have a great defense. Their running game is legit. If Sione Vaki is going to start playing wide receiver, I heard on the broadcast that he was like. He played slot receiver in high school, so apparently he can do that too. If he can be like They're a good Whitting, rec- Whittingham talked about limiting his defensive snaps. Like he's yeah. too value on offense, and apparently Whittingham is an offensive minded coach now. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they got it. I mean, we already know that they're going to get some. Uh, first of all, Lander Barton gone for the season. That sucks. Um, but they're what? What have we learned about Utah? Just some fucking rant. They're going to trot out Greg out there. They can't. <laughs> I I, just, I can't believe I'm going to do a read, but. They can't survive Lander Barton getting hurt too. Like, Watch there's no em. way. There's no way. Like, Watch them. I get. I get that linebacker is is a deep position. I get that, but Lander Barton is really good. And hey, Greg, <laughs> too what many. did they do with what did what did Utah football do with Cody Barton? Lander Barton is better than Cody Barton. I understand that. Get me a uniform and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I see what like, you're saying. Lander Barton, Lander Barton is uh, is a loss, uh, but they really do just pump out good linebackers and defenders. Yeah, I guess just Levani like a, Damuni is good. They've recruited they'll just throw the Nate position Ritchie well. out there and blitz him every you, play. It'll that's be a fine. good point. Are you yeah. worried about the rush defense? Like, was this yeah, game I, concerning? I am for sure. Okay, I am for sure. Uh, I'm not at all. Who are they playing? Yeah, that that's has what a I was going to ask. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, okay, Oregon. Oregon? Sure. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Oregon. Let's get a Oregon's grip. just a Let's better. A Oregon's just a better team, though. Like, yeah. Oregon has been a better team than Utah all year. Like, that's not. I. I don't know. Like, there's again. They they're going to get three losses. I'm not sitting here saying that this is an 11 and one Utah team. But like, not fuck it. Like, they'll find a way to back into the championship game and then beat the hell out of Washington. Yeah. Yeah. If they For the lose second time, to, if they like, lose to Oregon and Washington, there's there's absolutely zero chance they get in though. No, they're beating Washington though. Is the thing okay? Yeah, I think they split the Oregon Washington. I think they beat Oregon because that game's at home, and I think they lose at Washington. But I, you know, I mean that would put them at ten and two, which is pretty ridiculous. But I think they can get it done. Um, I I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm of the opinion with Utah that it's like they're just they just figure this shit out like. I swear to God, they like piece together whatever they have. Like they're missing QB one. They're they've uh, missed RB one for a, a very very long stretches throughout the season. How many linemen are they missing? Like 
they're missing now they're missing Lander Barton and and it's just like they just come up with players and do figure it out like it's a joke but it's true like they just figure it out uh they they should not have beaten uh USC team that's mostly at full strength I get that USC is kind of in a tailspin right now we'll get to them um but like they just figure it out you know their one loss was at Oregon State Oregon State's a very good team and like they made Oregon State look kind of poopy in that game, especially offensively. So, and Oregon State's offense is really, really good. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just of the opinion that they're going to figure it out. Would I say that they're like the best team in the Pac-12? Yes, mostly as a joke. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, um, you know, I, it's just one of those things with Utah at this point where it's like, I don't know. I just don't know what they're capable of. Like. If they, I could see them going eleven and one, but then being an ugly ass eleven and one, being like, "Ooh, they're going to get their asses kicked when they have to play Washington again." And then beating Washington, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder if we thought that exact same thing not eleven months ago. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. The I do think that it is very funny watching Utah be what like take the arc that we thought UCLA was going to take this year. Yeah, where we were like, UCLA is going to be six and one, and we're just going to be like, this is not even a top forty team, and then they're going to finish ten and two. Like, I think that might be Utah yeah. this year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really, it really does feel that way. I mean, I don't know, Reed. Are you recalibrating? Are you thinking about Utah being? Where do you wow? Like, what what feels like their ceiling now? I there's a world where they make it in if they split Oregon, Washington, and they beat Arizona, which should not be assumed at uh-huh. Arizona. Definitely, yeah, that's true. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that they're going to a Pac-12 championship game though. I don't think that they're good enough. Their quarterback isn't good enough. Their defense is good. I, I mean, this was a really good performance, but it's not dominant. Um, I don't know. I just think like Barnes is going to sputter on the road, even with Vaki and everything. I just don't think that they're going to. I think they have two more losses in them, and that'll be enough to keep them out. You're so much fun. <laughs> Great to be around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, let's pivot. A Utah win over Oregon would just be. Oh, it would end the season. It would end the season. You got it. You got to be Washington. Yeah. Throw the Oregon game. Beat Washington. <laughs> I need it so, so bad. All right. Well, let's need to sh- set up a five way tie. For second place. <laughs> again, again, we're just doing dumb math on tiebreakers. Um, let's shift to the USC side of this. They dropped their second game in a row and their fourth fourth straight to utah uh lincoln riley now oh and three against utah caleb williams oh and three against utah uh utah usc hasn't been utah since i don't know was did they play in 2020 i think they did right yeah they, they did lost. that was the only utah home loss since 2018 with yeah, uh um, jake brentley who is the worst quarterback i've ever seen play for utah yeah yeah it just so happened to be when no fans are around so i'm not sure it counts but Reed, let's start with you. What went wrong for USC in this game? Uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> I think that uh, I deserve uh, a lot of apologies uh, for going way, way back to my first appearance on No Truck Stops. A vigorous debate over whether USC was our inevitable overlords in the Pac-12, hmm. whether Lincoln Riley was going to win five straight national titles. Uh, you are all idiots, this was not this was never as inevitable as you all made it seem lincoln riley got the benefit of inheriting a very built-up roster and culture at oklahoma now he goes to usc and has had to do it on his own 
and he's kind of failing slash struggling at it. I, I mean, if he didn't get to bring Caleb Williams over with him, the rest of this team is uh, pretty rotten to its core. It's just not a very good football team. Uh, they're not well coached. Their defensive coordinator sucks. Their offensive line is mediocre. Um, they're they're just not what everyone told me they were going to be. And I don't know what happened because I was told they'd be number one in the country. Carlos said that they were going to put up 60 on Oregon at Autzen and when that, when that, whenever they came and visited next, um, you're all idiots. Lincoln Riley is not the Messiah that you thought he was. And USC football is fraudulent yet again for the, for the 3000th time in the last two decades. Shocker. Reed is the, I'm playing both sides that way. I never lose me. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. Um, no, I I thought that the graphic that Fox put up that was comparing the Utah offensive line to the USC defensive line and just the body difference that exists there. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the exact same thing that we were saying about Colorado all offseason of that's great that you have the skill players and those skill players are available in droves across college football. The bodies in the middle are not. And you need to be able to get them at the high school level and to develop them up. And that just has not been able to really happen for USC. And um, I mean, that's just, I, I think that that just says a lot and, and tells a lot of the story that, yeah, you're going to be able to run the ball and that's, you're going to get fucked in that scenario. Like you just can't have a 50 pound difference in your average weights on the, in the trenches. Speaking of, of bodies in the middle, this is a tangent, but I thought it was so funny the way that Utah milked every second of the play clock when USC subbed. <laughs> and they would just be like, okay, let's get our biggest boys onto the field. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. Force those delay of games. And, and like, who is USC subbing? They have the athletes across the board. Like, stop subbing. Right? <laughs> Seriously. I don't well, know what they were USC is subbing so late, too. Late into the yeah. game clock that they're giving Utah the opportunity to be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's take our, let's drag our feet and sub there. And then it's like suddenly, I don't know, I can't, felt like it was two times, three times that it happened. It was so funny because in our, in our little group chat, someone was like hey so like has anyone else noticed that like why can't defenses just sub late and force a delay of game or a timeout all the time like why don't coaches just do that and then someone was like utah does that and they did <laughs> it, been this doing it for three years yeah they're, I, they're the only ones i see do it oregon yeah. i've heard does it too but i haven't noticed it as much Tosh the Poi taking advantage of the clock <laughs> it's not, it's not his defense no anymore whose defense is it read chris hampton <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but to, I mean, to Reed's point, to Matt's point, like they, they are severely uh, disadvantaged on the lines and in particular on the offensive line. Like that is and, – and the offensive line actually was like pretty good this game. Um, but, I mean, it still wasn't great. It still didn't do the things it needed to do to make sure Caleb Williams is held up right. The other thing I wanted to say about USC is – I feel like so many of the critiques that we had about Washington coming into the season and really throughout the season up until the Oregon game actually apply to USC. And the big one that I'm thinking of in this game is being like explosive play merchants. Like if they don't have explosive plays and they're not generating them, they don't really have much else to lean on, right? Like it doesn't feel like they have the receivers to be able to do that thing that Lincoln Riley and USC like to do, which is like, yeah, get it to a receiver in space and like let them juke six times and get eight yards per like, that's not happening. It didn't happen in this game. Utah secondary was wrapping up dudes quickly. Uh, USC had a 9% explosive play rate, 58th percentile. That's like, oh, that's like pretty mediocre. That's bad. That's horrific 
for USC. That's garbage for USC. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think like they're kind of explosive play merchants. They weren't there. They had that big bomb to Taj Washington, uh, early on in the game and then very little else, like nothing else was there. Um, part of that is probably maybe Caleb Williams didn't feel confident making those throws. Maybe a lot of it was, uh, Utah's elite coverage, but like nothing going in terms of the, uh, in terms of explosive plays for them, which is, you know, wild to see. They, they have not looked good in that regard in quite some time now. Um, any other thoughts about USC? I, I I think you're completely right on the USC is hunting explosive plays so hard. Like, like you talk about this uh, this unbelievable coverage downfield, and it was great. They only had to cover from ten yards off the line of scrimmage and back, though. Like there mm. really was not a ton of attempts at going you know, within doing short game and everything. And I I just, you look at what this USC team is and the athletes that they have. And I, I do come back to the coaching on this. I don't understand why we're not basically just running what Colorado did against TCU, right? Like you're light in the ass, go quick, go fast and just get your athletes, the ball in space. Zachariah branch only having two touches from scrimmage is insane to me that is by far the best thing you have going on this team is him in space to only give him the ball twice is is pretty wild to me from scrimmage yeah i mean i just i think it speaks to we we touched on this when we talked about utah usc's receivers are i i respect them less and less than as the season goes on i like taj washington he's like a great wide receiver two or three he's their wide receiver one he's their primary target I don't think that that should be your primary target, especially at USC, where they rely so much on the passing game. Brandon Rice, good player, like nothing against him. That's like, I'm not sure he starts at like five or six different, uh, starts at wide receiver one for like five or six different Pac-12 teams. Um, Dorian Singer completely disappeared this season. I thought, man, I thought Dorian Singer was going to have an awesome season this season. And when he transferred from Arizona, had that a really, really great season last year. I thought he was their best receiver last year, not their most talented, their best. Uh, and he's done nothing. Mario Williams, Reed talked about him like early on in the season that he was going to be impact player, also has mostly disappeared. So those receivers, I think, are are struggling right now. That receiving core is decent and kind of deep, but like they don't have anyone that they can. I think you'd rather have like a top heavy wide receiver room where you've got one dude you can throw it to and a bunch of guys who maybe can make some stuff happen than this, which is just like a bunch of decent dudes that you know they're fine, but they're not really adding a ton of value to USC's offense. Um, I don't know. I think they've got some real, real problems. Uh, go. If only somebody would have told us that they were, that USC was going to miss the championship game by at least two, two games. <laughs> if only, wow, you nailed if only that one. Yeah, that was coming. a good one. <laughs> yeah. You, you just had, you just keep calling everyone frauds and then, a, then a couple of them are going to hit. That's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward. USC, uh, in a danger zone right now. They are six and two on the season. They don't look particularly good. I'm curious to see if they actually drop out of the AP poll. Probably not. They'll probably be like they 20. probably will. You think say so? you think they will? They don't. They don't have a win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their uh, best win is at Arizona or versus Arizona at in, Colorado in triple overtime. Yeah, no, it's got to be yeah. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rest of their schedule. <laughs> they should have lost Cal. though. Yeah. Sorry. Rest of our schedule at Cal. So maybe, oh God, it's going to be weird, but 
let's say that they're going to comfortably take that one. And then it's Washington at Oregon and then UCLA. Where, <laughs> Reed, gun to head. You had to pick. What, what's their record after, after their regular season? Eight and four. Eight and four. You think they're losing to Oregon and Washington? Probably. Howard. And if not, they'll, if they win one of those, they'll lose to UCLA. Okay. Yeah. Greg? That UCLA pass rush could could cause some serious problems. I think eight and four is, is the right the right one for that. Honestly, I think seven and five is more likely than nine and wow. three. A hundred percent. UCLA you, might beat that ass. Yeah. <laughs> seven and five for you too, Matt? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm landing on eight and four is most likely. Uh-huh. But yeah, second, second most likely is definitely seven and five. I mean, that Washington game, game is going to be a riot. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they can keep up with Washington, but I do think that, I mean, I think that's going to end up being a close game, whether it's back door or front door or whatever. Um, Oregon, I mean, run the exact same script that Utah just did. Just run the yeah. damn ball 50 times yeah. and you're going to win that game. And then like, I think the same thing with UCLA. Like, I think, I don't know, like maybe Dante Moore just like shits his pants again, but you'd hope by game 12, like he's better than Bryson Barnes. Yeah. I will say for in that Washington, Oregon, uh, UCLA stretch, uh, I think they are really, really mismatched against Oregon. Like just that in terms of pure matchup, like I think Oregon is a really, really bad matchup, but Washington might be a good matchup for USC. I, they will get to Washington a little bit uh, right now, but Washington against the pass rush still looks a little shaky USC's defense has very few redeemable factors, but I think their pass rush is, is actually one of the is maybe the only redeemable thing about USC. Their ability, their defensive line, their ability to get tackles for loss, their ability to create havoc uh, in the backfield. I think they're actually good at that, and I think Washington really struggles with teams like that. Now, their receivers, like I don't know, they they their receivers are going to absolutely cook USC's defensive backfield. But if they just drop back eight and have zero ego about it and say actually we're going to try to rush four and bear alexander is going to cause a bunch of chaos and all that. he's been good this year um he causes a bunch of chaos like i think i don't know i think they could beat washington in la i don't think that says anything about the quality of their team because i think you're right i think they would lose to oregon and i think they'd probably lose to ucla with the way that ucla's pass rush looks with the way their defense looks generally um and with the way that ucla runs the ball um, especially if they're going to lean on the run now um, uh, based on what they did against Stanford. So I, I think I agree with y'all. I think eight and four is, is the likeliest is the likeliest one, but I think they're closer to seven and five than they are to nine and three. Um, so that's USC. So, so they're finishing 10 and two then, right? <laughs> that's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've also had this thought in the back of my mind where, and I think I said this, I can't remember. I think I might, I might've said this last week is there's no in between for USC. Like they're either going, their wheels are, are going to completely fall off. They're going to go eight and four, seven and five. We're talking about Lincoln Riley being in big trouble and all this other stuff, or they will somehow figure it out and go nuclear again. Now, the problem is that I'm like, some shit would have to happen that we've never seen from USC over the past two years that I don't think it's possible. But some shit would have to happen that we have seen, which is like Caleb Williams and his receivers just straight up figuring it out. I think there is a world in which they just figure it out and go nuclear. They beat Washington. They lose super close in some classic all-time game at Oregon and then beat UCLA. That's 10 and two right there. And we're talking about them like we did in 2011. So 
there is a world I think where they can go ten and two, maybe even a le- you know either, well there they can't go eleven and one, but ten and two, and are scary again. But some I I don't know like if it just feels like the wheels are falling off for them. Feels bad. Y- Utah just got game day. Oh boy, Ooh. Oregon at Utah. Are you going to that, Greg? Am I Big going to game only. day? Uh, absolutely not. No, uh, Matthew Wilson. I've been to game day twice. Been to game day twice before McAfee was there, and I don't want to go while he's there. It's gross. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's hell. Uh, going to college game day is absolute hell. All right, Oregon Utah, biggest game of that week. Going to be a lot of fun. That game. God, that's bad vibes. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna a be, day game too. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's over. All right. Let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the slate, including Washington almost losing to Arizona State. Do not go anywhere. Homefieldapparel.com, your home for all of your premium vintage collegiate apparel and the new home of the Gold Coast Bomber jacket line launched this week. I am wearing my old Crimson Washington State shirt in honor of what might actually be the best bomber jacket going in this line many are saying that the arizona retro bomber jacket is pretty great it's got the arizona cactus desert scape logo on the back that is unbelievable and i and i do think that that would be a good choice for you however this wazoo bomber jacket with the script cougars on the back and the rose going intertwining through it is an unbelievable logo. I've never seen this logo before. Of course, this is what Homefield does so well, finding the old retro logos, pulling them out, and telling the story of the school through them. But there are bomber jackets. There's a perfect one for UCLA. There's a perfect one for UW, USC. I guess it's fine if you're wanting to have something to cry in. Even Cal's looks pretty good. Even Cal's looks pretty good. Utah, a school with with difficult choices when it comes to retro logos, has one as well. Uh, but these bomber jackets are absolutely fantastic. Of course, get yours at homefieldapparel.com. And thank you to Homefield. There it is. Those bomber jackets are really cool, by the way. <laughs> definitely, definitely get a cop when they were dead. Homefield I have a small is, fortune. Homefield be is, fine. Homefield is paying me to say that. And also... They're kind of cool. I've never worn a bomber jacket before. Might now. All right. Let's move on to a Pac-12 after dark game. Uh, Washington escapes Arizona State in Seattle 15 to 7. 15 to 7. This game was a fucking barn burner. UW's offense uh, was held to zero touchdowns for the first time all season. And the sole touchdown of the game for UW came off a pick six late in the fourth. Arizona State was up 7-3 for like, 80% 80% of this game up until super late. Uh, the Devils held Washington to under 300 yards of total offense and picked Michael Penix off two times. Um, look, we'll start with Washington. We'll get to Washington, what we think this means, if anything. But let's start with ASU. And Greg, let's start with you. How much credit are you giving ASU uh, for making Washington sweat, sweat? Or do you blame this being more of a letdown game for Washington after last week's Oregon win? Are you impressed with Arizona State after this game? I mean, I think it's both because, like, the Oregon—I mean, not the Oregon—the the Washington team. I feel like looked like a team that was sleepwalking. They looked like a team that just played Oregon, you know, their biggest rival, and won. You know, they look—it's emotional letdown. That's fine. However, when you're ASU, it takes a lot of 
I don't know, it's still impressive to play a team close, even in a game like that, when you have the injuries that ASU's dealing with. Like, they looked good, I thought, for large stretches of that game. Like, maybe neither team looked good, but they looked close to Washington (laughs) for many stretches of that game. And uh, for that reason, good job, ASU. I don't have a lot else to say about this game, just because... To me, most of what it is can be attributed to a letdown. I'm a little bit worried for Washington that they weren't able to just score 35 sleepwalking, but whatever, it's fine. (laughs) I'm not going to think too much of it unless it happens again. Reed, what about you? Feeling better about Arizona State? You feeling like, ah, no, I don't, you know, Arizona State is still garbage and Washington just sleepwalking. Like, where, where, where do you feel about this game? What's your beat on it? I definitely think it's mostly about Washington. Uh, okay. I don't think Arizona State's very good. I don't really. Uh, they're fine. They. I think they missed some opportunities in this game, honestly. Um, but Washington put themselves in a tough spot, turning the ball over a few times. That's careless, let down, unlucky. I get that stuff. But Michael Penix didn't look right to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, he was wincing at times at the end of the Oregon game and he just did not look like he had the same zip on his throws. Um, he didn't look as comfortable or confident even on the sideline. Like it just, it, it was completely foreign to the Washington team we've come to know over the last six weeks and just like the juggernaut they've been, how much it's felt like every time they roll out, they're like, let's just throw bombs. We're going to get them. And and we're just going to torch this team no matter what next time we step on the field. I'm a little worried about uh, slash hopeful about uh, (laughs) this version of Washington. I think that I I think they're lucky that they have Arizona State and then Stanford because right now they don't look like a team that uh, like they didn't look like on Saturday a team that could beat a competent opponent Um, and they needed every last thing to happen. They needed ASU to bungle a few key spots they needed a little bit of help from the refs and a few key spots uh but they got it done they survived if if it's a short entry and Penix is back to full health in two weeks then Washington will be the same thing we just have to wait and see on that yeah I saw some theories going around that he was really like his uh you know his like ribs and stuff were were really the things that are bothering him that came from the Oregon game um in this game I you know I don't know Arizona State was getting to him too uh, so I had some concerns there, but Matthew Hubertson, what did you, what did you, did you get to watch this game? What'd you think of it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when, if, if you have a quarterback that, uh, that has hurt ribs, maybe you try to run the ball against a defensive line that is absolute dog shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, really. <laughs> um, that eight really carries, like is, eight carries for their RB one. Ridiculous. And it was zero percentile, zeroth percentile yeah. in EPA per rush. Like the, that, that to me is by far where I am, um, really perking my eyebrows up. Like otherwise I'm completely okay with what Greg said about like attribute this to whatever infection UW has with Arizona state. Um, there's obviously we know there's significant trauma there. So like, it's okay. I get it. It's fine. Um, but like that to me is, is genuinely concerning. And you saw a lot of those things that we were concerned about UW coming into the year and that we saw last year, if they cannot, if they're not able to hit the explosives and they're not running the ball, which I don't know what happened today or, or yesterday. I really, I really don't know why they weren't able to run the ball against this defensive line. Cause 
feels like anybody should be able to run the ball against this defensive line. And that to me is, is wildly, wildly concerning um, to continue to be like, Oh, he's hurt and we're going to keep throwing him 45 times and let him get hit and everything. I, I, I think that that's, that there's something there. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like, yeah, they were hitting Dylan Johnson behind the line. Like I felt like half the time Dylan Johnson had the ball, he was met with an ASU defensive lineman behind the line of scrimmage, well behind the line of scrimmage, like got nothing going. It was really strange to watch. Washington's offensive line generally looked horrendous in this game and they looked bad in pass protection too. I felt like they, they, Arizona State was getting to Penix far more often than I expected, than I ever could have imagined um, Arizona State getting. I think that's a little strange to me. I think that's weird. I think that's even weirder than Penix maybe not looking fully right. If he's out there, he was making enough throws. I don't think, you know, I'm like kind of not that concerned about it. I am concerned about the offensive line, though, because I think we have had questions about their offensive line. They played really well against Oregon. Oregon doesn't have a great pass rush. I don't think Arizona State really has much of a great pass rush either. Um, so it's I I don't know if I can like if this is just like weird bad vibes shit and Washington is just going to run the table and like ugh, Arizona State for whatever reason just has this chokehold over Washington and has for 15 years and this is just what it is and you got to get through it and that and then it's going to all be fine. Or if this was like an indicator of, you know, the lines are an issue that we've had. We know that Michael Penix has not looked great against a pass rush at times. We know that when he gets hit, things can get weird. We know he's not a particularly mobile quarterback, so we can't you can't really punish a team with his legs if they're gonna if they're just gonna go with a blitz and leave open a, a, some space for him. I don't know. I mean it's I'm hard, I'm having a hard time trying to take much away from this game, so I probably won't. Um but I, I don't know. There's some stuff where you're like, oh, all right, let's something to monitor here, something to track here with with Washington. Um, I defensively, Washington looked great. I mean, Arizona State had nothing going. Uh, Cameron Scadaboo looked good sometimes. Sometimes he wasn't able to get a ton of stuff. I am a little worried about Washington's tackling, but Cameron Scadaboo makes dudes like I've seen him make some of the best tacklers look silly with his little Goron, uh, his little Goron, uh, you know, roll thing that he does where he's just a small guy and he packs himself into a ball and bowls a bunch of dudes over. It's just what he does. DeCarlos Brooks though did that too. Um, and that was a little bit concerning. So I have questions. I have questions about Washington, but again, big time letdown spot. Like you just go and you, you beat Oregon in like what we were calling one of the best games that we've ever seen in an environment that was like just completely juiced Husky stadium going crazy. And then you got to come back. <laughs> Washington fans were a little, I don't know if y'all heard. They were a little spicy in this game. They were booing Washington. <laughs> They're all, it felt like when they were, they started to go three and out late in the game and there were boo birds for Washington, a team ranked in the top five. Like <laughs> what the fuck? That was crazy. That was nuts to me. I've never, I've, <laughs> I've never seen a team look that good and have give so few reasons for their fans to boo them all season and then to get booed. That's crazy. That's some Philadelphia shit. <laughs> um, anyone else have anything to say about Washington or Arizona State? I think that the thing is, is this, wa- this Washington offense depends so much on timing. And part of it has been that Penix always gives himself an extra second and is willing to take the hit, you know, and, Arizona State just sold out with the pass rush, pressured him up the middle, and he was too uncomfortable to hold on for that extra second every time and find the throw. 
Uh, and I, that was, that was the difference. Um, quickly on Arizona state. I mean, Dilly shit the bed in the red zone again. Uh, <laughs> man, he's got well, some real longstanding problems there. Doesn't he? I, God damn it. Just run the ball, dude. Run <laughs> the ball. Like, what are you doing? Um, Jesus, they were, they, I mean, this was like, this was really almost a loss. Like, I think that it's easy to look at this game. If you didn't stay up, you kind of thought how ah, Washington slept, walked through it. It was a bit more than that. Like they, there were moments in this game where I actually was like, is, is Arizona state going to win? You know, I didn't just think Washington was waiting around and playing with their food. Like they never got it together on offense and just shut the door with a scoring drive. They needed a crazy pick six that was Bryson Barnes-esque from Trent Borgay. Um, and that just threw it all away. <clears throat> that was insane. That was so bad, that pick. Mm-hmm. Like that you just, The one thing you could not do there. Ugh. Yeah, weird, weird stuff. Um, Arizona State, they are net, still winless against FBS teams. Oh. Um, they are 1-6 on the season. They've lost six straight. Their one win being a three-point win over Southern Utah. It's weird because like I don't find myself saying like, oh yeah, you know, if they didn't if they didn't if they had lost to Southern Utah, they'd be on 0 and 12 watch and they're like garb like I don't find myself talking that way about that Arizona almost State. happened too, which is just wild. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> almost did. Like and and I don't really and I think it's because Arizona State is really, really competitive in all of these games. It does not matter who they're playing, except if it's Fresno State. Like, they're really, really competitive. They were competitive against USC. I don't think they ever had a real chance to win that game, but they were a little spicy during that game. Made us think about USC a little bit differently. Uh, they damn near beat Cal and Berkeley. They probably should have beaten Colorado at home in Tempe. And here they are again. They, they've had a chance to beat Washington in Seattle. They've lost all those games. I, I, the problem is <laughs> that the issue is, uh, despite all that, Arizona State has to play Washington State, which doesn't look great right now, but it's still a dangerous team. Then they got to play at Utah, at UCLA, home against Oregon, and and home against Arizona. That, They're not getting another win. Fuck! Like, and it's crazy because <laughs> they don't look horrible. They do not look. They don't look. Here's the thing: one and eleven Arizona in twenty twenty one was bad. Sometimes they were competitive, but they were bad. They were straight up bad. We all said, "Oh shit, they might go zero and 12. Colorado last year never looked competitive. We that they should have gone zero and twelve were it not for Justin Wilcox two years in a row. <laughs> Justin Wilcox had a chance to to do something funny here, but he didn't. He lost. I, it just it feels weird to me that this might be the the one team that goes uh, winless in conference play, despite the fact that they're miles better than I think Arizona and Colorado were over the past couple of years. I'm Weird still stuff. pretty high on Dillingham. Like I yeah. think he's doing a good job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yet they're gonna go one and eleven. Yeah, I mean they're on like third their third string quarterback at this point. I mean they've got some serious injuries. They've they're decimated all over the place. Jaden Rashada plays like he probably wins this game. He probably beats Colorado. Probably beats Cal. The problem is is that your quarterback Trent Bergay was actually hurt in this game at one point because ASU's offensive line is just that bad. That's the problem, right? They're not just getting injured because of freak injuries. They're it's legitimately a, a, so much about ASU's offensive line. Um, anyway, any other thoughts about Arizona state Washington before we, uh, move on? Okay. 
right? Yeah, we'll see what happens to both of these teams. For now, let's move on to the rest of our results. Rapid fire. First up, Oregon beat Wazoo 38-24 in Eugene. Run game went crazy for the Ducks. Bucky Irving and Jordan James went for a combined 232 yards off 28 attempts. Irving himself had three total touchdowns and 180 yards from scrimmage. Wazoo, on the other hand, drops their third straight game. Their offense has had some nice drives, but their run game was completely useless, getting just 27 yards from their running backs. Reed, real quick, thoughts on the results of this game? Bucky is so good. Bucky Irving is so, so, so good. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Justin Jacobs finally returns. He looked really good at linebacker. Uh, happy about the bounce back win for Oregon, for sure. Yeah, big uh, big game from Bucky Irving. He made me just shut the fuck up, Irving. Uh, <laughs> and I love Bucky Irving's day. I was having so much fun with Bucky Irving buns this week. Um, he was awesome. I am concerned about Oregon's pass defense. Nah, it was not great this game. It was a little weird. Cam Ward did not get any passing touchdowns, I don't think. Or maybe he might have gotten one, but it's a little it's a little weird, a little concerning. So I'm I'm that's something I'm monitoring. Uh, meanwhile, Washington State's defense completely shattered. I don't want to hear anything else about Washington State's defense being sneaky good or competitive. It's not. It's completely fallen off a cliff. Greg, what did you think about this game? Boring as hell to watch. Uh, I did not have a good time. Um, I do like watching Cam Ward throw the football. There were some absolute dimes in this one that I just I got off my couch. I was very impressed. But yeah, Oregon is just a definitively better team. Not much to say outside of that. Matthew Uh Oregon was the best team in the conference last year and is the best team in the conference this year. Coaching is losing them games. I don't care if I'm early. I know I'm not wrong. Uh, what coach? How? What has coaching lost them? You think going for those fourth downs were bad? We never got your take on that. They lost two games last year on going for two when they didn't need to, and they lost a game this year on going for a touchdown when they didn't need to. Interesting. Watch the games, Matt. <laughs> uh, finally, last game. UCLA beat the shit out of Stanford, forty-two to seven. Big note here: Dante Moore getting benched in favor of Ethan Garbers. Garbers went 20 for 28 on the day to go along with 240 yards and two touchdowns. The running backs had a pretty good day themselves. Not particularly efficient, but Steele and Harden combined for four touchdowns. Uh, Stanford, on the other hand, completely dominated, and and they were completely dominated in every phase of manageable. Uh, game was never in doubt. Alec Aomenor did have a nice follow-up game, I guess, stats-wise, but you couldn't really tell. It mostly disappeared because Stanford was bad. Matt, let's start with you. Any chance UCLA is a dark horse contender in the conference for you? No, I, I'm still just, I don't think that you can do it with a freshman. I, I still think that's going oh, to. Oh, well, they benched the freshman. They, they benched the freshman. Garbers. Oh, they did. I clearly watched. <laughs> well, or um, listen to me over the past 10 seconds. No, sure. <laughs> fuck it. They're uh, literally the exact same team as, as Utah then. Sure. <laughs> Hey, we just said Utah's going to the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> UCLA-Utah, the Pac-12 oh title God. game? They don't have Utah's, like, dark luck, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we have very sad, sad luck. Uh, Greg, what about you? What do you think about UCLA now? I thought this was a dumb fucking time to choose to bench Dante Moore. Like, <laughs> yeah. the perfect game 
to get right for a freshman, and you've decided, nope, this is the one to pull him in, it, it, it makes no fucking sense to me, but whatever. Stanford disease is dead. <laughs> it's officially dead. Grapes, if you're out there listening. Oh, wait, no, it's not dead, because it killed Colorado. Never mind. You fool. You absolutely <laughs> fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I I also agree with the idea that they probably should have started Dante Moore in this one, but I think they're hoping that Ethan Garbers is going to give them some steady, non-turnover-laden quarterback play. We'll see if he can just be if he can be Bryson Barnes and not turn over the ball like every third time he throws. I think that would be a, an upgrade for UCLA. UCLA's offense has lost them almost every single game this season, and their uh, their quarterback play has been a big, big, big part of that. So we'll see. Their, their their schedule is sneaky nice. It's really, really, really good. They don't have to play Oregon. They don't have to play Washington. What they get left, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, USC, Cal. Arizona's the scariest team left on their schedule, um, and they have to go to Tucson. So we will see how they do there. Honk. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that's it. Let's move on to talk about some midseason awards. Reed, take us away. Yeah, it's time to revisit our awards pick for the final Pac-12 season. We are back at the midseason point. No Avery, sadly, but um, we're just going to go through a few here real quick. Uh, we'll work our way up to the big ones, but first, biggest disappointment of the year so far, Matt. Might be just like the non-existence of Cam Rising. Like we kind of felt like we were going to get Cam Rising back, and now he's officially not going to play at all this season. I think... I that has removed a significant part of the overall like conference race. I feel. Yeah, that's a good one. I feel like, uh, I feel like we were told cam rising was going to be back. It, it's like, finally this week was the week that Kyle wedding. was like, all right, facades over jigs up that he's not coming mm-hmm. back. So, and Brent Keithy too. Like, I feel like we were kind of strung along with this Brent Keithy and cam rising are coming back. It, that has been a disappointment. I sort of feel like, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like I thought Utah was going to be a team that was going to ruin some teams' hearts and minds with their – I mean, they still might, which is kind of I mean, funny to did. think about. Yeah, they just <laughs> did. Uh, but I think I think the Cam Rising saga is, is definitely right. Greg, what about you? Biggest disappointment um, this year. If not that, because that's where I would have gone as well, I'm going to say the USC receivers. Um, yeah, my pick exactly, yeah. I thought that – they were going to be special. I thought they were going to be incredible. Thought they might have the deepest room in the country, and it was not that. You know, it's it's been real disappointing. Just not a lot to say. We've talked about it before. <laughs> yeah. Um, Reed. Yeah, I had the USC receivers as well. Honestly, uh, that, <laughs> I mean, I was I thought that they were going to be. I mean, I think everyone consensusly thought ah one A one B them in Washington. Like, take your pick. They're dead even, and clearly that is not the case at all. Uh, yeah. did, Carlos, did you go yet? No, no, not yet. Uh, I had USC's receivers there, but I'm going to go with the entire. Pac-12 conference play season so far. Not that the not has been like shitty. Ooh, like it's, it's coming. Been, it's fun. Yeah, we're gonna get some fun stuff. But I just thought we were gonna get a lot more like big juggernauts. Like Utah losing to Oregon State kind of you know lost some shine for me with the Utah Oregon game coming up. Still some shine. I think it's gonna be a fun game. Oregon State losing to Washington State really took some shine off. Like Oregon State should be undefeated going into a really really good stretch of their season. 
right now they're kind of under the radar. Um, and maybe that's fine, but I was a little kind of bummed about that. Um, Oregon looks great. Washington, you know, they look, they look great except for this game against Arizona state, UCLA losing to both Utah and Oregon state. Like, you know, that's, that's another one where like, I really, really wish we had another juggernaut. I just feel like last year we had all these big games. It was like USC and Utah is going to be like a massive game. And, um, Oregon UCLA was like a massive game at the time when they played. Uh, we had, uh, who else am I missing? Like Utah, Oregon was like a massive game, even though both of the quarterbacks were injured. Like that was just such a massive game. And we all absolutely had to tune in. Um, USC UCLA was a massive game at the end. We just had to tune into that game. And I just feel like we're missing some of that. So it's, I, it's the fatigue of like the conference not existing next year. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly like, I attribute a lot of it to that. Like winning it this year is cool, but like setting yourself up for next year is like it, that part of the storyline is completely non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and good I point. think that's a really hard part. I, Need I feel I would be remiss if we did not address this. I'm sure that this would have been Avery's pick. Um, Jedfish and and the offensive and quarterback decisions yeah. has been a massive disappointment. I think Arizona should be every bit considered the team that Oregon State and UCLA are, and their record is obviously nowhere close. Yeah. I mean, they still might be, and to think about where they would be if they had had made the right the moral decision at the beginning and then made the good football decisions later on. Like, it's just, it's it's silly. Uh, we, I mean, a bunch of other disappointments. Caleb Williams, we got to mention him. Big disappointment. USC generally, big disappointment. They were supposed to be playoff contenders, all that. Alex Grinch still having a job. <laughs> I, disappointment I, I implies sadness. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we sort of expected that. We sort of expected that. I am honestly surprised that he didn't get fired. I mean, I'm not surprised, but he should have been fired after last night again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he should be fired again. He should be fired every single fucking week he's employed. That's when he should be fired. Uh, Reed, next yeah. one. All right, let's get away from the depressing shit. Let's talk about the funniest <laughs> moment of the year so far, Carlos. Oh man. Was it not last night with Utah beating, <laughs> beating USC? Like, man, that was extremely funny. Uh, that that had some funny moments. It started out funny, got kind of interesting and fun. Uh, that that's up there for me. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the funniest moment was Utah beating USC the way they did with like half their roster from last year out. So that's that's the one for me. Greg, I've got a couple. My first one I'll say, though, is in the USC-Arizona game, just the refs in general and the coach. Like, it's just a comedy of errors. Everyone who had any decisions to make was bad at it. Uh, Like, the refs calling touchdowns that were just very blatant drops. Like, the ball bounces off the the end zone and they say touchdown. Um, But the other one is, is Jonathan Smith beating the shit out of Utah and then, and then grabbing his chest. You know, milk the clock. Okay, it's one of funniest. You don't need to take seven of them, Greg. But there are other people on this podcast. There's one more. No. God. Matt? The, the Jonathan Smith milking is definitely the one. Um, I, my, my number two, though, is the Oregon-Washington game playing out in the exact same way. Play for play. Exact same way as 2022. Down to the running back slipping on fourth down. <laughs> Perfection. It was a third down, but it was so fucking funny. I lost my mind when Jordan James <laughs> slipped, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's happening again!" 
<laughs> yeah, as lucky it wasn't Bucky Irving. Yeah, Slippy Irving would have been a, a fun nickname if it was if it was actually Bucky who slipped on that one. Um, Reed, what about you? Funniest moment for you so far? I think the curses. I, I wish that they'd come fully to fruition, but the first quarter of Oregon Stanford was electric. I mean, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely wild. And la- late last night, Washington ASU for absolutely no reason delivering to the extent that it did was hilarious. I thought. Yeah, I mean Washington Arizona in Tucson. Washington looked pretty poopy in that game. <laughs> oh uh, man. Uh, next up, we have game of the year, and and essentially, have we seen it yet? Do you think that it's one of the ones we've already had, or is there an upcoming game that you think will surpass it, Greg? We have seen it, and it was Oregon Washington. I feel pretty confident that nothing's going to top that this year because USC USC is disappointing, and so is Utah. So, <sighs> man, I want to say USC Arizona. Oh, that's I really want to see say USC Arizona here. <laughs> um, Oregon State Wazoo was also fantastic, um, mostly for the off the field reasons, and and that's still resulting in a good game. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we're gonna get a better game down the stretch though. Yeah, I think there's a chance here, man. I mean, here's the thing: is that Oregon and Washington look very clearly like the two best teams in the Pac-12, and so like that is, and they played. I mean, the USC Utah was like a. a magnificent game last night but like a lot of it was just because they're like both of these teams made some stupid decisions that like just weren't very they just highlighted that they have some flaws Oregon and Washington was just like these two teams are playing flawless football and they're playing their their kind of football and it came down to the wire and like it was it that that's going to be hard to top but I have hope I have hope for Utah Washington um as a clash of styles I mean I even have hope for Utah Oregon as a not necessarily a clash of styles, but two similar teams um, and it being in Salt Lake City, like Utah and Salt Lake City. I think that game has the potential to be like what USC Utah was last year, where it was like, wow, was USC, pro- USC was probably should have been won that game, but Utah like pulled it out and it's like a crazy environment. Um, so I, I think if I had a pick, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Utah. I think Utah, Oregon will be, the game of the year i think it's going to supplant oregon washington that's my guess yeah i think there are a lot of good ones still left you mentioned some of them one that we haven't talked about is the last platy oregon oregon state at the end of the year could set up for a really good game uh and i think that that clash of styles will be very interesting as well probably a bit of a ground uh ground and pound matchup both ways and and i'm excited for that also pac-12 championship game when oregon gets revenge on washington uh, and wins the Pac-12 title, that will be an awesome game as well. Um, Are you talking transitive? Like, because you, because Oregon beat Utah and then Utah beats Washington? Is that, is that what you mean? That, that'll play. That'll play, honestly, okay. as long as it's not Washington. <laughs> um, now we'll move on to players of the year. I start on the offensive side. Caleb Williams-Stock, the preseason favorite by all accounts, Riker. has taken a close hit. That door, please. Uh, it seems like he might not be an option anymore. I'm curious if anyone will pick him, but uh, we'll start with Greg. Who you got? Well, Carlos, just congratulations. Your very I bold understand. prediction of the field the the over Caleb Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's coming to fruition. <laughs> um, but... Uh, this is tough. This is tough. I am going to go with Michael Penix. It's simple. It's easy. I'll just do it, even if even after the bad game. It's, he's been good enough that I think it's still warranted. Carlos. 
Yeah, this is oh, this is this is really hard because I think Penix Penix is going to be the obvious one. I think I think Penix is the one that that is going to be the the one that everyone checks their box and he's going to get invited to New York. I don't know the game against Arizona State kind of push him a little bit out of contention. Did it make the race a little bit closer? I'm not really sure. I I think um, I think I I think if I had to go with someone who is not Michael Penix, I I'm gonna. I'm stuck between Bucky Irving and Damian Martinez. Uh, Bucky Irving has been incredible this this season. And Damian Martinez has not gotten the hype that Bucky Irving has gotten, but he is no less better. He's he's no worse than uh, Bucky Irving has been this year. But uh, Damian Martinez has had an awesome, awesome season. So, yeah, I think – I guess I'll go with Bucky Irving. Uh, I, I think I'd probably – I'd probably pick up Jesus Christ, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> who did you who did you who did you have read uh i have bucky irving as of well of course you do. for those vincey yeah. i should just flash my, my custom bucky irving jersey on the live stream that's the youtube content you all need um yeah i mean bucky irving's been fantastic i think Penix definitely it, it'll come down to who wins it wins the pactal title probably or who's in pole position going into it like uh i think the best offensive player on that team probably has it Matt? Um, y'all are fools. It's Sione Vaki. Yes. Sione Vaki. He's going to finish the season with over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, playing six games on offense. Like, 100%. Sione Vaki. Stop it. I wonder if that's going to be Matt's defensive player of the year pick as well. Uh, but- Don't. God, stop stealing my picks. <laughs> we'll start with Carlos, though. Uh, Leatu Latu was our preseason favorite he's had a pretty productive year do you think it's still his award to lose i i think it is especially with the amount of i don't know the amount of hype that ucla's pass rush has gone i think it's like lived up to the hype i think people are talking about ucla's defense as being very very good i think i would pick leatu latu but there's a bunch of other contenders that have uh come up that i think are going to be considered um so but right now i think i'd pick i'd pick leatu latu all right, next up we have Matt. You already answered it. It's Sione Vaki. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Sick. Best two-way player in the country. You're absolutely sick. <laughs> Greg. Cole Bishop. I think I'd probably, if I were voting, I'd, I'd pick Leatu Latu. But uh, Carlos already did, which means I can say Cole Bishop. Uh, he's been incredible. I think he's been clearly Utah's best player on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah. Do you think the Jonah Ellis stack merchant narrative has any chance to I to think take Jonah over? Ellis sacks are coverage sacks almost always. Jonah Ellis is great at just being persistent and like consistently pushing his guys so that if he has, you know, four or five seconds, he'll get the sack. But uh, I think those sacks are a credit to the secondary more than they are to him. Yeah, I agree, but it it is getting up there. Like, what does he have? Nine sacks now. I mean, at a certain point, I think the <laughs> voters are dumb enough that they're just going to go with someone. If he gets sixteen sacks on the season, he's probably probably <laughs> going to win it. Um, that's a good point. Anybody that's voting for him is voting for Leitu, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. It, it, he'll get a lot of second and third place votes on those. Uh, he's not getting any first place votes. I think you're I right. Think. I, I think, think there's going to be. A- 
Go ahead. I think it's a two-man race between Latu and Bishop, honestly. If you're actually watching the games and looking at like the best defenses, who's making the most impact on them? But I think Latu's probably going to take it home. What are you going to say, Carlos? Yeah, I was just wondering if any tackle merchants were going to start break anyone's top three. I feel like there's going to be a tackle merchant here. Cole Bishop. Uh, no, I'm just... <laughs> calm down Utah fans calm down uh Eric no, I, Gentry sorry, what do you think he has Gentry. eight on the year <laughs> I think <laughs> that in- injuries are injuries suck man hate to see it absolutely hate to see it I want to I want to know if any of the Arizona defenders actually get some love here I think I'm really curious and Arizona defense is pretty nasty uh Jacob Manu is the is the leader in tackles but he also has three and a half sacks on the season six tackles for a loss on the season he's their best player I think by a good margin Justin Flo I don't think he will get he's not going to get any DPOI love but I do wonder if he might get a all-conference nod uh Justin Flo is had a pretty good bounce back year after kind of doing nothing at Oregon for a couple of years. So I don't know more names. Yeah. Worth mentioned for sure. Uh, finally coach of the year to wrap it up, Matt, who you Man, got? Like, I, it, I think easy. it'll be, it'll probably be DeBoer. I, I really agree. I think it's easy. I think it has to be Whittingham. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so clearly Whittingham, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know that nine and three is going to get you that, 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 win especially if washington keeps winning uh who's next sorry uh carlos yeah this is kyle whittingham i don't know how it's anyone but kyle whittingham at this point if the season ended today it needs to be kyle whittingham like no one else has the like narrative of oh yeah uh all of our dudes are out and like we have absolutely <laughs> like no playmakers our receivers injuries. are dog shit our quarterback <laughs> is basically bengal branson uh our running back we have to co- we had to convert a safety into our running back our defensive line is trash <laughs> six and one. Uh, yeah it's very obviously kyle whittingham i don't think it'll be anyone else it should not be anyone else i don't give a fuck if kaylin DeBoer goes 12 and 0 if utah finishes nine and three it should be Kyle Whittingham, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it should be Whittingham also. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think DeBoer will win. Like, I'll be surprised if it's not DeBoer. However, just the in- insane amount of injuries that Utah has. Like, you've got Rising, Keithy, Yasmin, Fano, uh, Barton now, and I'm sure there are others. Like, those are just the season-ending injuries that I'm talking about right now. And then all the other guys who have just missed time. Uh, it's it's just insane how many injuries Utah's had. <laughs> and despite all this, they're six and one. <laughs> like it's 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 absurd. I think this is an insane coaching job. He he deserves it. Grapes says in the chat, I need a win to retire. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Remember in 2021 when uh, Pac-12 journalist Matt said, what did you say? He was going to retire after 2021 or something? can't remember. said I would be shocked to see him on the sideline in 2023. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yet. And I am, in fact, shocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Avery also this says. This was true in, and accurate journalism. <laughs> Avery also says in the chat, media brain will pick DeBoer. I, 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 think, that's, I think that's right. But I just I think that they're going to they're going to do like a a retroactive DeBoer thing from last year as well for the turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. From 2020, 2021. I don't know. What was that god awful year for UW? Yeah, it was 21. There's just so many of them. I can't didn't remember. he win it last year? Did he? 
Yeah, he won. He won it last year. No, he won it with Jonathan Smith. He was co. He was co. Coach of the Year winner. Oh, you're right. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Yeah, that's what for sure. Might win this year. Yeah. I forgot that they split that Coach of the Year title. I thought it wasn't just Jonathan Smith last year. Yeah. God, how funny. All right. Cool. Jonathan Smith honestly has done a good job too. Though. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 getting he is getting very little love here. Reed, were you going to say something? Yeah, I think. Whittingham definitely has it right now. If Utah tanks, though, I wonder what the line is. Like, is nine and three enough? Eight and four probably isn't, almost definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious when that changes over and probably shifts to whoever finishes best out of Washington, Oregon, State, and Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting. He has Utah in the same, like we were talking a couple weeks ago, oh, Washington, Oregon, USC, those three play one another, but it's now Washington, Oregon, Utah, USC. Um, I don't think USC's there anymore. Yeah, I kind of don't think Utah, USC's there anymore either. So we'll see. All right, let's move on to our next segment. We're now entering week nine, and we know these teams pretty well by now, I'd say, including their weaknesses and their strengths. So we thought it'd be fun to play a little game of trades. Here's how it's, here's how it's going to work. Uh, we have each devised a trade between two Pac-12 teams that we think will be mutually beneficial for both teams. So, I mean, even if that includes looking beyond this year, uh, which I have some thoughts about. So here's here's what we'll do. Each of us will share a trade, and the rest of the group will answer the question, who says no? All right? Simple enough. Matt, start us off. What is your mutually beneficial Pac-12 trade? Cole Bishop for Zachariah Branch. Ooh, who says no? Reed, who says no to that? Washington, I mean, Utah's Cole Bishop for USC young guy, young receiver, Zachariah Branch. You know, that that's actually a really good one because USC. Yeah, no shit. It was from me, Reed. <laughs> I'm great at this. <laughs> USC's been hesitant to really unleash Zachariah Branch, and Utah would obviously have no choice. I, I do... Wit ultimately, I think it goes against just his philosophy of how you win football games to sacrifice probably his best defensive player. But got a better I safety think they sitting on the bench. Do it. I think they might not. I think Utah might not do it, but I think they should. Carlos, remind me what Whittingham said at uh, at the Pac-12 Media Days for football. He says he's learning that offense is more important than defense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is learning mm-hmm. that. He is learning that he's a little more aggressive than I've ever seen him. I'm going to say USC says no, and here's why. The problem is not that they don't have players on defense. They're not okay. thin. They don't have Cole Bishop though. I thought I thought Carlos would respond like this, so let me adjust <laughs> slightly. Oh. Um Lincoln Riley from Morgan Scally. Oh my god. What? <laughs> <laughs> so Lincoln I think Riley is the one that says no. <laughs> yeah, does Lincoln does Lincoln Riley go and be Whittingham's offensive coordinator or or his defensive coordinator? They get rid of Andy Ludwig. Does Ludwig move to defensive coordinator? coordinator? <laughs> Ludwig might be a better DC, who knows? <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. I, if he okay. goes and I, I don't know if he becomes, I mean, first of all, uh, Whittingham coaching tree, not good. Uh, their defensive coordinators. I don't know that they're, that they ever turn out to become hey, anything. He's got a head coach right now. And Jay, like he, there's Kalani Satake and then Jay, oh, Hill, yeah, Jay Hill was a head coach for a while and he was successful. <laughs> Greg, you don't, Greg, you don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, it's not that bad, you know? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that I, defense is in the walls. It does not matter who is the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I which think is the why just done I a am, good job. But that defense is in the walls. Yeah, I'm upset true. that you've stolen half of mine, <laughs> which is a Utah and USC trade. <laughs> and the trade is 
name blanking, right? Morgan Scally to US, USC in exchange for Malachi Nelson. Oh, I think that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. I think Utah I needs mean, a quarterback. Utah doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, I get that he's a five-star. He's a freshman, but I believe the five-star freshman can overcome the problems Utah's had with uh, quarterbacks with a lack of reps because a big problem that they've had even when they're in is you can just see an extreme lack of talent. I don't think Utah needs Morgan Scally. I think whoever they have in D.C. is going to do a great job <laughs> because Whittingham is the head coach. So uh, I think Whittingham is the, the best trade piece to move, and uh, USC is the one that needs it most. Who says no, Reed? Who says no to that? Morgan Scally for Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback sitting on the bench behind Caleb Williams right now. I think Utah's going to say no. I don't think... Utah that's would that's say no for sure. Scally. Utah would say yeah. no for sure. <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't say no as a Utah you're fan, talking about there. I'd say yes in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's, exactly. That yeah. would be a dream for me. <laughs> for both sides. Both sides, I think you would say yes in a heartbeat, honestly. I mean, I mean the problem is, I guess, again, Morgan Scally... Yeah, here's the thing. It's like I think both the two of these teams can, be- can replace what they're trading away. Like USC can get another five star quarterback in a heartbeat. Utah can get another great defensive coordinator in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, the thing that's hard for me is that like, do you want to? Tra- on one hand, it's like whatever DC will show up for Utah will be pretty good because Kyle Whittingham runs that shit. Uh, but on the other hand, you only get two years of Malachi Nelson, really. Um, yeah, you and get you're getting three. You get three. You get this year. You well, get next year, yeah, and then you get to win the Big Twelve with them twice. Although yeah. I guess Cam Rising's back next year. Cam so. Rising will be back. Yeah, um, I'm concerned about this year primarily, though. Yeah, yeah, this year, yeah, this year, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I would say Utah would probably say no. I guess. Um, Have but. we considered Cam Rising having a midlife crisis and not coming back to school for the tenth year? Although, next what year? if we <laughs> traded Morgan Scally for like somebody's knee and just gave it to Cam Rising? <laughs> gave someone, yeah, gave it to Cam Rising. Yeah, no kidding. Reed. What about you? What's your what's your mutually beneficial Pac-12 trade? I think you're targeting the wrong backup quarterback. Aiden Childs to me is the I did think easiest oh. player. He's the easiest player to move. But the issue is, what is Oregon he doesn't State have need? anything for Oregon State? Yeah. They need a receiver, so it's not going to be Utah that they trade with. They're going to trade with Arizona State, and they're going to fleece them for Elijah Badgers and Jalen Conyers. No, no. <laughs> I, yes. No one a heartbeat for ASU. Yeah, I would say I would say no. Uh, what are they going to do? Murder Aiden Childs? Exactly. Like, exactly. He, he'll get killed in one no, game oh, too. No, you wait, have Rashad. They're going to give. They're going to give two backup offensive linemen too, though. Oregon State. Oh, is. oh no, that changes okay, things. That's intriguing. <laughs> Sorry, that's intriguing. that is an important detail I left out. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's that's intriguing. I'm gonna. I would still say no if I'm Arizona State. I think both Arizona State and Oregon State are saying no to this. I think you need to move to the other Arizona school for the wide receiver. But they don't need Childs. Yeah, they do. Childs would be a massive upgrade over what they have for like cowing. Yeah, sticking with Oregon State, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna propose one here. Oregon State has lots of offensive linemen. Don't really know any of their names except for one of them. I'm going to go with that, not that one, because he's their best one, because I know his name. Uh, But I'm going to go with another one on that offensive line who has played a ton of snaps. Name's Tanner Miller. So just think about an Oregon State starting offensive lineman, Tanner Miller, like a legit starter. Four, sending him to USC for Mario Williams and Dorian Singer. Wide receivers three and four mostly have disappeared, have not really been utilized this season. 
USC, I truly think no player on their defense, no player defensively is fixing that defense. Send Leatulachi there, not fixing anything. I don't think he does anything for them. I don't think it matters. So I'm going to, for this season, thinking about this season, going to try to think about getting USC's offense back on track, and I'm going to send a good offensive lineman to protect Caleb Williams. So I have Tanner Miller, a starting Oregon State offensive lineman, for Mario Williams and Dorian Singer. Who says no? Oregon State doesn't, but... Like they would love that, but I think USC would say no, and I think they should say no. I don't think the offensive line's the problem for them. Okay, Matthew Berson. Yeah, I think I think you got to pick somebody other than Singer. Honestly, I think I think you do Mario Williams and maybe like a Washington or a Washington or a um, or a Rice or a Brandon Rice, and and you're getting that. I think those two players, but they're you getting used that- way more than Singer. I think I think they like Singer a lot more than, than Caleb does. Okay. Reed, who says no? I think I think USC probably says no. Yeah, I think they want enough weapons there ultimately. <laughs> West Texas Mike says I would send Mario Williams for nothing in return. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, I want to approach you with a trade offer. Okay. What do you need for Latu to go to Oregon? What do you need? Oh, for need, Latu to go we've got, to Oregon. We've got a stockpile of offensive linemen. We can give you we can give you some uh, uh, well, you're pretty good in the front seven. What we could give <laughs> you a answer. receiver too. Don't say Ty don't say Ty Thompson. Please don't say it's, Ty Thompson. I'm not gonna say Ty Thompson. <laughs> okay, it's good. Nick's and Irving. Nick's and Irving for no. Latu. Well, there's mm-hmm. I don't know that I think Oregon would say no to that in a heartbeat. We're not giving I, up there, Nick's you, no matter there's what. There's no trade that is equitable for both sides that involves I Leatu Latu. I think UCLA is saying no to everything else other than those two. Magnolia. <laughs> 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 Matt's being a dad right now. Just <laughs> Here we go. Little celebrity on live stream. Hello, Magnolia. You want to say hi? Hi. 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 Say, I'm Say hello to all I'm of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Liatu Latu's int- I think it's just that he makes so much of that defense that it has to be like a big blockbuster trade. Like, Liatu Latu for, yeah, Bo Nix and Bucky Irving or like Bo Nix and Jordan James, probably. Jordan James is great. Love to have a, a good running back there. Uh Leatu Latu is like one of the you know ten best players in the conference. So you got to get, you either got to get some like some super young player that's going to be generational. Hell, I mean, how about this, Reed? Let me let me let me let me offer you a counter proposal. <laughs> Leatu Latu and Dante Moore for Bo Nix and Bucky Irving. Oh, that's more interesting. Oh, oh. I still mm. think Oregon says no. Yeah, I think I we this, is just, this we can't. I don't think we can. I think Bonix is untouchable for Oregon. Unless, really, he's yeah. good, but he's not great. The but gap between just, him and Dante Moore is huge, and he's so much of the offense. Like he's perfectly engineered to execute the offense that Oregon wants to run this year. So, <sighs> but Oregon with a pass rush, that's I know, scary. I know. God. I mean, I would. It's tough. <laughs> I don't think either side has. It just doesn't. The assets are too valuable for either mm-hmm. side to really come up with enough pieces to match one of them. I think it comes down to: Do you want to give up on this year? Yeah. Do you want to set up for a Big Ten run? Oh, well, mm. but even if you're doing that, Latu's gone after this year, so it just doesn't like. It's true. It's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess if you're I sort mean, of Dante assuming... Dante Moore's future is worth is worth a lot, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But he's transferring to Oregon anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other Pac-12 trades that anyone wanted to make? I, I think... I'm trying to figure out something for Arizona. Like, Arizona needs one... I feel like one really good piece to take them to a different tier. Yeah, and I'm not sure what it is. Is Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> Why? <laughs> to get because he can do so much better in game management than Jed Fish. Fuck I mean, that. It's he's the same not thing. great in game management. He's better than Jed Fish though, okay? Like a he goes bit, yeah. for two. <laughs> like he's not he's not like sewer dweller bad in game management. He's just That's like true. defensive coach bad. Yeah, true. Uh but also like I don't know, just he gets good luck. Everything that he, he touches prays, he turns prays a to lot. good, whereas <laughs> Jed Fish, everything he touches turns to to bad. Like it's bad vibes. Everything around him. Maybe maybe Arizona needs another better interior D lineman. Maybe they maybe mm. USC folds. They say, you know what? Take Bear Alexander. Hey, you can even take Mason Cobb too. Our defense sucks, but we. We we took the wrong Arizona wide receiver. We want Tap McMillan back. Oh, not counting. Interesting. Fuck, that's good. That's good. That's really really good. Because he'd be a true one. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Oh my god. Just someone for Caleb to throw it up to. Yeah. That oh, is. Caleb Williams with Tap McMillan just <laughs> so <laughs> fucking unfair. That's interesting. I Who like that no? one a lot. I, I would love calling Caleb a Tet merchant. I oh think Jedfish would love that. I think Jedfish would say no. But they, okay. USC probably can give back even they give back one of their receivers too. Maybe it's mm-hmm. Singer. Singer back. Maybe it's Singer back. <laughs> uh, that probably doesn't work in terms of chemistry very well. Maybe it's oh, well, Mario yeah, Williams. But, uh, I guess if Fafita Brendan plays, Rice. maybe it works. Yeah, yeah no, Fafita does say no. Graves says <laughs> Fafita says no. <laughs> I, yeah, none of those defensive linemen are actually great. Is the problem? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that there's any like act. Tet is a legitimate difference maker. I don't know that USC has a difference maker to send back. Yeah, yeah. Eric Gentry. Um, <laughs> it's a great they've idea. got Justin Flo. They've got Justin Flo. They don't need Eric Gentry. Yeah, 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 yeah no shit. You'd rather, yeah, probably. All right. Well, that's our Pac-12 trades. They trace. don't need another freelancing linebacker. Send us a comment or tweet us at No Trick Stops Pod if you've got an interesting Pac-12 trade that you think both Pac-12 teams would say yes to. I'm going to get a bunch of I don't know Washington fans being like, "We'll trade you." fucking jeremy bernard for leatu latu and be like no come on now no one's saying yes to that um but send us in your trade ideas love to love to hear them all right that's it for that let's move on to make some game predictions all right greg how about a pick party update all right this week we had uh, two four for fours uh, with sports with M and Chad. Uh, last place was Connor, who went 0 for 4. Uh, among us hosts, only me and Reed submitted. Uh, the rest of you guys are bums. And me and Reed went 3 for 4, so good week for us. Easiest game to pick was the UCLA under. Only one person missed it. And the hardest game to pick was Utah and the over. Now, <laughs> yeah. as far as the Dumbled picks from this week... Uh, and we can decide, I guess, if they're bold enough. Sports with M had Penix with two picks. Uh, Chad had Whoa, over... she really? Yep, she picked God, that she one. God, she nailed that one. <laughs> uh, Chad had over three and a half 
quarterbacks in UCLA Stanford. Uh, oh, they had three. He was close. He almost <laughs> had that. They had three. No, no, no. Uh, I think he meant total. Like, so UCLA played three, Stanford played one, you hit the over. Oh, oh, he hit the over then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, Charlie had Penix throwing more interceptions than tugs, which me and Chad assumed to mean uh, touchdowns. touchdowns, yes. <laughs> I'm familiar with <laughs> Charlie. Exactly. Uh, I'm familiar with, with a tug, huh? Interesting. <laughs> I had Vaki... Two offensive touchdowns and one defensive touchdowns. I got half credit because I got the two offensive touchdowns, not the defensive one. <laughs> Trends to watch. What, ASU. Is good, a, by the you, way, we got to talk about those are some good, bold picks. Like, those are bold <laughs> and they nailed them. That's really, really good. What is a Utah offensive touchdown if not a defensive touchdown? <laughs> That's a great point. Um, uh, Trends to watch. ASU's 4 0 against the spread since conference play. Uh, USC is 0-5 against the spread in conference play. Jesus. Utah is 4-0 against the spread at home this year. Oregon is 0-2 in their last two. Um, AS- Arizona is 6-1 and on unders and needed double OT to get them to the, the only over that they've hit. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Fascinating trends. Matt, how about a standing, standings update? Do you have this? Um, Yeah, I think so. It, somebody else got in and touched my spreadsheet for a couple weeks. This is why you never leave work, guys. Never go on vacation. <laughs> um, I have... So, Carlos is running away with the points. Again, incredibly inequitable, terrible system uh, that was set up. Whoever did that. Um, Carlos has 54 points. Avery is in second with 48. Reed at 45. Greg, 44, myself, bringing up the rear at 43. Um, on the game picks, though, uh, we're it's much closer. Carlos, 46 and 14. Reed, 45 and 15. Greg, 43 and 17. Myself, 41 and 18. Avery, 40 and 19. Thank you. Sounds, uh, sounds like a good year this year for good old coin flip Carlos. All right, let's move on to the games. Big slate this week. All Pac-12 teams are in actions. It starts at 12.30 p.m. Easily the biggest game of the weekend. This one's getting college game day. Oregon traveling to Salt Lake City to play Utah on Fox. Matthew Hubertson, give me a winner. Give me a margin. SP Plus has this as a six-point Oregon favorite. Um, maybe you throw another four points on for Utah home field in addition to the normal three, and it still has Oregon favored. I I think Oregon's going to win this game. Day game, not a night game. I think mm. that impacts the score. Mm. Reed. Dear God, why did this have to be game day? Thank <laughs> no, God it's not a night for game. You. Utah's not good on game day. Yeah, buddy. Okay. Let me tell okay, you a good. story about Utah with game day. <laughs> God, I'm nervous about this game. This is like the last, well, knock on wood, Oregon does go to ASU, but the last true road test for Oregon. I think Oregon wins barely by like three you know uh, i i don't expect to be pretty i don't have any expectations other than hoping for an oregon win and i think they can get it done greg <sighs> this is a game where i've decided i realized early in the season i was making a mistake i was being 2019 greg who was optimistic and <laughs> what i need to do is get back to pessimism because that's what makes Utah win. (laughs) I think Oregon is going to win this game by two touchdowns, genuinely. I think that it being a day game with game day is just terrible vibes for Utah. That negates much of the regular Rice-Eccles advantage from a night game. And uh, 
the Oregon defense, I think, is just going to smother what Utah tries to do offensively with Bryson Barnes at quarterback. Oh, and then Avery is picking Utah. Avery's going with Utah. You weren't supposed to say that before I did. Um, oh, my bad. Because <laughs> then you already went. Even though I wrote it in the fucking document like last <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, where's this game being played, boys? Salt Lake City. I'm picking Utah to win this game by seven. I will say the night thing, I didn't wasn't sure if that was just some bullshit. I did the numbers on this since 2013, which is when Sports Reference tracks night and day games. Uh, Utah is plus point, 1.7 in games that kick off in Salt Lake City, 4 p.m. or earlier local. They have a plus nine margin of victory when they kick off at 7 p.m. or later local. So about eight points seven eight points difference there between those two youth football crowd doesn't show up <laughs> <laughs> i'm not joking it's, it's not a joke it's true the crowd is really bad is for the day reason. games that's disgusting that's so fucking sick <laughs> it really is the reason <laughs> give me utah give me utah by seven i think they're gonna actually pull this off stadium is gonna look half empty halfway through the first quarter <laughs> it's not that's a joke. real i cannot it's not believe that's real it's, it's not gonna be that bad the ucla game it was genuinely better than that like i was shocked at how good the crowd was uh, and it'll probably be slightly better than the ucla game was but it will not be close to what it was against usc last year or oregon in 2021 sick it's youth football sick. playoff season it's <laughs> i'm telling you it's gonna be a joke are you is your uh, your youth team in the playoffs right matt Buddy, they let everybody in. Come on now. It's like the MLB playoffs now. Uh, at 1 p.m., USC coming off a brutal loss to Utah travels to <clears throat> Berkeley to play Cal on the Pac-12 network. Reed, does something extremely funny happen? Uh, and also, who wins and by what margin? I don't think so. I just, I'm so sick of Cal. I'm going to be honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. It's, it's so it funny. Every week one of us says that. <laughs> it's so funny watching Reed go through our tw- going through my 2021 trajectory of, yeah, no, Cal. Cal, I don't know, man. Justin Wilcox, pretty good. Oh, fuck. I fucking hate Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they, I think... Uh, never mind. You know, they're not going to win this game. They still could beat Stanford, but they're not going to win this game. Um, yeah, USC is going to win by 21. Okay. Greg? USC by 10. Uh, it's never going to be in doubt, but Jaden Ott's going to have a massive game and keep the, the score closer than, than it actually is. Matt? You fools. Cal's winning this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me just double check Avery's pick. Uh, I'm not Cal curious. I'm no, Cal no, knowledgeable. Go, Stop don't. giving the pick before Carlos. I then she swear you went first. Me. I don't she know why. Me. <laughs> She's trying to go 0-12 with Cal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's her chance to see if she accidentally hits on Cal. She she should lose points for that. Um, I got USC winning by 21. Cal fucking sucks. I don't hate Cal. Cal, their offense will be fine. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. Fuck, now I'm talking myself out of Cal winning. Okay, so USC is going to win this game by about like seven. But Cal's going to put up a ton of points. I do believe that. They have put up a ton of points. Their defense is trash, though. They're going to give up a ton of points to USC. So I think USC is going to win. And they'll win by like seven or 14 or something like that. Can you name the quarterback playing against USC? I hope it's Fernando Mendoza. <laughs> exactly. They will play. They will win. <laughs> <laughs> Would be uh, crazy. It is in Berkeley. So yeah, Avery picked Cal. Yeah, of course she did. <laughs> it might be the bad week to pick Cal. I don't know. It might be a bad week. Part of me thinks Cal's going to win. But yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a part of me that thinks that too. Uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific, Washington travels to Palo Alto to play Stanford. Stanford disease fully dead, so Washington will be heavily favored. But Greg, start us off. Washington wins by how much? Washington wins by just so many. I don't I don't even know. It's not worth thinking about. No one's going to be watching that game midway through the <laughs> second quarter. Matt. That's right, because we'll be waiting until the fourth quarter to watch this game. Uh, <laughs> UW wins, but it's close. Oh, okay, okay. Reed? Stanford disease is absolutely dead. No chance of an upset here. Washington wins by 40. You're not yeah. slick. You're yeah, not slick I at all. I know what he's doing. I know what he's doing. <laughs> Washington, Washington by 30. By the way, did you see, Reed? UCLA beat Stanford by almost a identical store, a score to Oregon beating Stanford. What are your thoughts on that? Does that mean UCLA and Oregon are the same same caliber of team? Oregon has not played anyone good except Washington, by the way. Anyway. Anyway, uh, <laughs> How's Avery... 11-1 UCLA going? <laughs> um, Greg, were you going to say something before we move on? Yeah, Avery does not believe Stanford disease is dead, and she has picked Stanford. Is she trying to go 0-12 on both of those teams? <laughs> She's good already God. won on Stanford, I think. She has won on Stanford, yes. <laughs> Hurry up, F1 race starts in eight minutes. Let's All right, go. fine. 4.30 p.m. on ABC. <laughs> Colorado travels to Pasadena to play UCLA. UCLA will certainly be favored, by, but Matt, who wins and by how much? UCLA is the only home favorite this week. Every other game will be a road favorite. Fuck it. Let's see if something happens. I'll pick Colorado. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Reed? UCLA might have 20 sacks in this game. I, I think that's the over-under. I'm going over. Uh, <laughs> UCLA's going to win this game, I think, by three scores at least. Greg? Yeah, it's going to be sad what, what UCLA's defensive line does to Shadur Sanders in this game. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the best pass rush that Colorado will play all season, and uh, they have not dealt with any pass rush really well. So, yeah, give me UCLA by 21. Uh, uh Avery has UCLA as well. Yeah. Big cowards. <laughs> At 5 p.m., sneaky weird game here. Wazoo travels to Tempe to play ASU on the Pac-12 Networks. Reed, who wins by how much? I think Wazoo wins. I think Wazoo is the better team. I'm losing faith in ASU every week. Even even this last week didn't really give me much confidence in them. Uh, Wazoo wins by 14. Greg? Yeah, I want to pick ASU, but I think Wazoo is just much better, and so Washington State. Matthew Hubertson? I don't think Wazoo is that much better, and I think we get a... uh, Okay, I know that Carlos has thrown this out there 20 times because he doesn't watch any other college football. We are getting a Jake Hanner performance this week. (laughs) This is going to be the Jake Hanner performance out of Trenton Borgay. ASU wins this game. Yeah, I've got ASU by three. I think Washington State's falling off a cliff. Arizona State is just knocking on the door no matter who they play. I think they figure it out. Uh, Avery has Wazoo. Avery has Wazoo. Okay, there we go. Uh, She's going to regret not picking Arizona State. She did say she's torn on this one in the chat, in the YouTube chat. So uh, 7.30 p.m., last one on ESPN. This is going to be a fun one. Oregon State travels to Tucson to play Arizona. Greg, who wins and by how much? I think that Oregon State is good. I think that they will be able to do this. Uh, Also, Jed Fish is a much worse coach than Jonathan Smith, and that makes me feel better about it. So, Oregon State. Reed? This is the big one for me. Like, if Oregon State gets this done, 
they will not be fraudulent. They will be on the road to play Colorado and Stanford and be ten and one going or nine and one going into Washington and Oregon. But I think Arizona is going to get it done, and I'm picking Arizona. Matthew Hubertson. Oregon State, the number 15 team in the country for SP+. Um, their, their numbers absolutely back up their ranking and their performance. However, Arizona is by far the biggest riser from preseason uh, rankings in SP+. They're all the way up to 30. They have gone. They have moved up uh, every single week of the year. Who's playing quarterback for Arizona? That's my only question. Yeah. If it's Fafita, I think Arizona wins this game. Yeah, I've, I've got Arizona winning this game. I mean, I think it's going to be Fafita. I think I think definitively, after what they've done, they are going to play Fafita. You have to. I think they will. And as long as that's the case, I think Arizona's going to win this game. The weird thing is, is like, I don't want to pick Jet Fish if it's a close game, and I think this game will be close uh, because I think Jet Fish will bungle a bunch of stuff late. But Arizona, like... You know, you said, Greg, that Oregon State is good. I think Arizona is actually genuinely good. I think they are a good team. They are at Oregon State's level. And this game's in Tucson. Um, Tucson's maybe more cursed of a place than or than Corvallis is. This play, that place is fucking cursed. That concrete fucking massive dome, whatever the fuck they call it. <laughs> that shit's cursed. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to pick Arizona. I think they win this, that by three. I don't know. It's going to be a tough game, though. Avery's got Oregon State. Oh, boy. I don't think Arizona can win that game by three. I think it's got to be 10-plus. I think Ted McMillan has to go off. Yeah, let's see. Anyway, they win that game. They'll be ranked, um, and they will will be a dangerous team. Uh, All right, that's it. Another week in the books. Let's get out of here. Uh, We're back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week nine. If you want an in-depth preview of this slate of games, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. That'll drop late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, of course, tune in next week for our spooky episode episode before Halloween. Avery and I will absolutely suffer on live stream. That'll be a ton of fun. But for now, that's Reed. That's Matt. That's Greg. I am Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not everyone. Bang. Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you choke. The crowd falls in the coffee's kick. To everything, said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green on the sunny side of the street. And I don't mind if the sun don't shine. Bloody weather suits me fine. Pouring up the best wine on the board tonight. I think I'll be a superstar.